Hey, it's Bea. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of A Twist of Fate. Before we get started, please be warned that this episode talks about suicide and contains sensitive language that can be triggering for some people. If you or someone you know is experiencing suicidal thoughts, you can call 988 to reach suicide and crisis support in the United States. Now, on to the episode. For as long as he can remember, Carlo has struggled with low self-esteem. He was surrounded by a loving family, friends that cared about him, and had recently gotten engaged to his longtime girlfriend. Despite this, he couldn't shake off the feelings of depression and low self-worth. One day in 2022, after a difficult situation led to him getting canceled by his close friends, he tried taking his own life. His family was heartbroken, but they eventually took him to the ward to get professional help. This is Carlo's story. Okay, we're live. Hi, Carlo. Thank you so much for uh, joining me today. Hello, Bea. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. I know. What time is it over there in Manila? <laughs> uh, it's 10 a.m., so it's not too early, so I'm wide awake. Okay, okay. <laughs> not bad. <laughs> Great. Well, I know you and I have had some sidebar conversations about your experience, and it's very yeah. personal. It's very sensitive. So, you know, I, I just also wanted to say a big thank you for being comfortable with opening up and sharing this part mm -hmm. of your story. I thought we, we could talk a little bit about your experience growing up. So your childhood and any major events that has shaped how you saw yourself. Okay. So like for as long as I've known, I've really had low self-esteem growing up. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm the middle child. So I have an older brother, I have a younger sister. Mm -hmm. uh, my siblings were achievers to cut it short. Mm -hmm. Like, And I felt I had the lack of attention growing up. It wasn't like the typical super competitive kind of environment because me and my siblings were really close we're really friends so it's really just reflecting on oh what am i doing with my life how come i can't keep up with their pace like i mm. felt that i wasn't given the same opportunity as my siblings when it came to education and i felt i wasn't disciplined enough to know any better when i say that uh, it's like i remember when i was younger my brother would be in the school or he, he was transferred to another school and he'd be so open to all his ideas to all his expressions and emotions and for me like coming from an all-boys school it was tough for me to navigate my emotions like you know how the toxic masculinity thing mm, you had to be yes, a man you yes. had to oh you're not allowed to show emotion what you're writing poetry that sounds so stupid that sounds so girly, yeah. etc especially when mm -hmm. you're a kid from grade school and then my brother he was doing it so freely and like he had so much friends supporting him he did so yep. i felt like my parents didn't give me the kind of education to really express myself i felt that they oh i just want to separate your older brother from your school so he can do his own thing you you just stay put where you are right now because my brother transferred from my school before because i think he was being bullied but he oh. they kept me there so i had like this like looking back oh i didn't really get to express myself as much as i did i wasn't given the same opportunities and you know yeah. coming with from my little sister who's the only girl so it's like two <laughs> boys one girl oh she was like super spoiled super pampered she had like a lot of attention was given to her so growing yeah. up like i felt now when after college and everything they're all doing their own thing I felt, now how come I'm lacking or how come I'm not achieving as much as they are? And how come they, it's like yeah. they're enjoying what they're doing. But oh, did my parents just get lazy with me? Which was not mm. the case, man. But I didn't, I wasn't able to see it that way at the time. 
So parang these yeah. were leading to all my insecurities before. I really felt out of place in the family. If you notice, like my our family is a very Facebook family, or to put it there, we really <laughs> we like to post like that. Yeah. They really like to post about the updates of what's happening with us. So I was really an introvert, adding the you know the stigma of the middle child syndrome. No, yeah. oh my God. I'm really lacking, but is this a real thing? I really feel it there. That's why <laughs> it's it's so funny. Like when I look at it back then, uh, it's crazy how I was really thinking. I, I was really playing the victim. I felt that I wasn't getting enough love from you know my family at the time. I felt that if you're the middle child, like they put all the attention on the firstborn because it's the firstborn, right? It's clear at this point that Carlo is impacted heavily by middle child syndrome and constantly comparing himself to his siblings. We then start talking about how his chosen career ended up adding to his resentment. My dad was in philosophy, my mom was in com arts, my brother, he took up psychology. So I was the only one who actually took up engineering because my mom wanted me to take that because, you know, she has friends. That, oh, you're going to be successful if you're an engineer. So mm. I felt that, okay, I think this is my only way to get noticed in the family. I wanted to force myself into, and you know, I, I hated math. <laughs> I'm not even good at math. Like, okay, I really just forced yeah. that course because, to be honest, I really didn't know what to do. I wanted to be like an artist, a musician, but I guess yep. I didn't have the confidence enough to pursue it as a career. So you know what, I'll just take this course because that would make my parents happy. I think if I achieve this, they'll finally be proud of what I'm doing. Because out yeah. of all my siblings, I wasn't the one achieving the best academically. I was just average, you know. Mm. I was just okay. I felt like the black sheep in the family because I was yeah. always the one who was reactive, who was very emotional at times. So I was always thinking, how come I can how come my siblings can keep it together? But when it comes to me, I'm so ill-tempered. So it was a lot of things I had to process. Like I felt there was a lot of abandonment issues that were so unresolved back then. Mm-hmm. So that's why I always felt like I was acting out because I felt that my parents owed me something. That's how I felt at the time. So uh, there was so much insecurity building up back then. So I was, I was already extra hard on myself because I had this low self-esteem. So let's like fast forward to when I was actually, I passed my board exam to become an engineer. My parents are going to be proud of me. I'm yeah, going to be shine. happy with myself. Yeah, like I really felt that everything was going to come. Like all the happiness, I, it was just going to be at that moment when I passed the boards. Like I felt that everything was going to be different now. I'd feel in par with my siblings after everything that they've achieved. But oh, they can't say that they did a science course. I'm the only one who took a science course. I'm the only one who has a license, a professional license, but by the government, etc., etc. So I was thinking, okay, this is my moment. Like I really wanted to feel that I belonged because, like, I felt growing up, like I told you, like my family was very. They like to post the happy things about us. Now I always felt so mad about it internally. Like I'd be upset mm. because I felt I was an imposter in the family. You know what I mean? Like they're posting these things, these happy things, but I know all my shortcomings, all the mm. bad things I've done to people. Like because of like all the insecurity I had growing up. What Carlo thought would finally be his big moment to shine by finally becoming an engineer ended up not matching up to his expectations. He continues to share about the inner conflict he felt trying to rationalize his feelings with what the outside world must think, which is that he had a pretty good life. I really felt like an imposter. If I didn't exist or if you just put me out the picture, I think the family would be happier. But since I'm there, you're just stuck with me and you just have to love me. That's why I'm in it for the ride, I'm in it for the wave. Like, to be honest, I was really kind of hesitant sharing this because it's not its not really such a big of a problem because they still got to 
afford my education. I was still able to go to school. I have yeah. such a loving family. They're very supportive. Like, why am I acting up like this? Like, I realized it's really, it's so hard for me. So, like, I was really trying to implant in my mind. I'm not allowed to feel sad. I'm not allowed to have these emotions. I'm not allowed to feel bad about myself because I'm okay. So, uh, anyway, fast forward to the time when I was, when I passed the board exam. I felt like in my mind I was supposed to have a parade. I was supposed to get better love or something. It's so it's so funny. It's so like in your mind. It's it's like a Philippine thing that you're gonna have a tarpaulin and everything. I, I, like it was, it was in my head. It was in my head, but I didn't expect that. Man, I was like thinking that oh, like this is the kind of celebration that I was expecting, or you know, like it would happen like for the rest of my life now. But like you know, after a day, after three days, like things just went back to normal. When the dust settled, it was difficult. Now, oh, how come I feel so worthless now? How come I feel so irrelevant again? Mm. So I feel like I'm not even excelling at my work. I'm not even excelling as an engineer. I'm still be- getting frustrated or ill-tempered with my family. Yeah. So it was like, like a temporary high. It was yeah, it was a moment. So it's like I'm always looking for something that's never gonna come because I'm mm-hmm. expecting something that will forever be out of my control. Because right. if I never saw the validation saw it, of other people. Yes, exactly. The the validation yes. of other people, which I'll never get. If my validation towards myself or my self worth depends on how other people see me or their validation, oh, that's a right. that's a risky thing, which I haven't really yep. realized it yet. So since I'm like I always identified myself as an introvert also at the time, so I was really reserved with people. So mm-hmm. like the people I actually decided to open up to, I always ex- expected too much, and when right. they don't meet it. I always just end up disappointing myself. Now, oh, was it something I said? Yeah. Is it because I didn't react the way or I wasn't able to go to his or her birthday party or I didn't greet her on yeah. time, etc. It's like, is on it that, me? Yeah. yeah. On that note, I want to hear a little bit more about that situation that you had with your, I guess, like friends or neighbors that maybe was a little bit more impactful. Can you talk about that? Oh yeah, like like the turning point that really hit me rock bottom throughout the yeah. whole situation. Okay, the, the one that led up to that. This happened just last September. It was a few months ago. It was a lot of things happening at the same time. So like I told you, I was putting people on a pedestal. Like, yeah. like my validation towards myself really depended on how other people saw me. During the time I was taking care of my, my wedding stuff with my fiance. I was studying German on top of that with all my work projects. I was really worried because, oh, I'm leaving, so I really have to see my friends. I was like putting people on the pedestal. Oh, guys, you have to see me now because I'm mm-hmm. already leaving now. I have like a few months. I want to spend this time with you. So when they'd say that, oh, I'm busy, oh, to them, it's like, oh, I'm just busy with work. But to me, it means like the world to me now. Oh, shit. Right. Am I just this shitty of a friend? That's why you don't mm-hmm. want to hang out with me. Like the, the spotlight in my head was always on me. I was really just thinking about myself. I was so selfish that oh, it's all about me. Like, you got to hang out with me because I, w- I was leaving now. Also, my fiancé, she lives in Germany. I'm here in the Philippines. So we mm-hmm. have like a long-distance relationship going on. We've been doing that since 2018. We've been in a long-distance relationship for four years now. So I was having a hard time communicating with her because I was balancing so many things. But mm-hmm. she's my partner. She was supposed to be the person I get to open up these things with, like all my stressors. And I felt that that was missing because I didn't get to talk to her during the times I was actually available. So yeah. I had to look for other people to kind of mediate the situation. Because yeah. 
since I couldn't handle being alone, like you know, in general, like I couldn't, I couldn't value myself. I depended on other people to feel worthy. Carlo felt stuck in that he couldn't seem to open up to his wife or siblings about how he was feeling, and felt like his only trusted confidants were his neighbors that he had gotten close to in the last few years. He talks about the time he tried going to them for help as he was going through a rough patch, only to be told that they were too busy and didn't have the mental capacity to be there for him. I remember I was so stressed with work. Like I came home, it was a I think it was a Tuesday night. I was really crying or I was so stressed out. I couldn't balance. Like I, I didn't know where to place my emotions anymore. I didn't know where to place all the pain I was feeling. I was just really yeah. crying. I wanted to talk to my fiance, but I felt that I was just going to be a burden to her. Like she couldn't handle mm. what I was going through. I felt like I couldn't open it up to anyone but them, but these people. And I remember I messaged them like on a Friday. And then I see you on like this weekend because I'm I'm going through something. Like I just really want someone to talk to. I'm going through something. Like I was really hiding it now. It's just, it's just a normal conversation, but I had so much to unload on it already. Yeah. So, parang I think I was at a boiling point. Na oh, I really have to talk about this because I felt that you're the only person who can understand. I felt yep. that I was feeling this way. I don't know. Maybe if I talk about this, you'd understand what I'm going through. So they she agreed that okay, we could meet over the weekend. But then suddenly, last minute, something came up because they had the work thing. So like in my mind, I was so ready. Okay, I finally get to unload this because I, I don't know. Like I, I'm crying about I'm crying about my work. I'm crying about all these things. I don't I didn't know where to place it anymore. Like I felt that I could place it with this person, and this person will understand. Will meet me halfway to do this. Yeah. So last minute when. She canceled on our conversation. Oh, I really have a work thing. I can't miss this, and I'm not in the emotional headspace also to talk about this because I'm going through my own thing. And mm. I remember replying, "Okay, I, I understand," but clearly I didn't because like what happened next after that was something so I was so bad. Now I was at the moment. Now okay, I get to unload it, and suddenly, oh, you can't, you can't tell this yet because there's no one to unload it to. Like she doesn't want to talk to you. Yet. Your friend doesn't want to talk to you. Okay, you have to respect yeah. her time. You have to respect that she's going through her own thing. Also, I couldn't take it anymore. It all boiled down. I was crying. I was telling my fiance, "No, no, you you can't understand what I'm going through." I was just crying to her. So anyway, like when it led up to that situation, like I really put my for like for me in my mind, it was like a life or death thing already. Now yeah. I really didn't want to be in this world anymore. Like I felt so unheard. I felt that no one can understand my situation, but this, these people, or this person that I was putting, it's like such a high pedestal on. It's crazy. So during that night, when I was just, like, I was so broken. Now I just, since she's just my neighbor, I went outside their house, like knowing that, knowing that, prior to that, na she didn't have the headspace for it. So I remember, like, I even got like a gift, like, oh, sorry for your trouble. But I just want to barge in last minute because as a friend, I need you. I just need you to hear me out. Na parang with, with what I have to say, I was just messaging outside. Like I told her, "Oh, I, I'm outside. I really need someone to talk to about this." Yeah. At the end of the night, she just told me, "Na, I don't think you respect my boundaries. I'm really busy and I'm really not in the headspace to talk about the person's baggage." So mm. in my That's mind, so heavy. yeah, it's it's so heavy because in my mind, I was really centered on on myself like the spotlight was on me i'm just reaching out to a friend but i'm not really yeah. realizing that she already put a boundary like right. and i wasn't really respecting that and to be honest like i like so i have a little sister right so 
it's really a sensitive issue for me also when yeah. men are really intrusive with 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 her space with women's space like after that like i just broke down i just lost it now i i really felt i just wanted to end my life there and then but instead mm-hmm. of like doing it for some reason i just went inside my sister's room just to open up to her suddenly like i could i i could view them at the time then suddenly it's the, still the same day it hasn't expired yet how come i'm not there anymore then suddenly mm-hmm. i'm not friends i'm unfriended already on facebook right. then suddenly i'm unfriended already like they stopped following me on instagram Yeah, like at that point, that just broke me even more because I thought, huh? Yeah. I thought they were rooting for me to get better. Yeah. So then, do you feel like that weight was really what pushed you to be like, okay, it, am I like because I'm not getting the validation? Clearly, the people that I thought were super important that also thought that I was important, that I was worthy. Maybe yeah. I was wrong. Maybe they're they're not reciprocating this. Yeah. So then, do you feel like that was when it was re- fully removed from you, like your self worth or your yeah. like, value like, for yourself? From, from that part, yeah, that, it was fully removed. Like if, if it wasn't ninety five percent, it was like ninety nine percent. It was like it was gutted yeah. out from me because I didn't know yeah. anymore. But like they were one of my main foundations of self worth. My mom, my sister, and my brother they had like a scheduled trip. They had to be abroad for like a week, so it's mm-hmm. basically just me and my dad. Who yeah. I barely get to talk to emotionally with my dad, so mm. I felt that this was a moment or this was a time that I needed people to be in my life, and then suddenly, like a good chunk of them have to go abroad or won't be physically here. So, yeah. like my foundations of love, dad. it's just gone. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just gone. So I'm processing all of these things. I'm still going to work. I can't process things. Like I, I, I can't stop thinking of what happened with those friends of mine who just canceled yeah. me out. It was so bad. Man. Yeah. Like I felt I was such a burden. Like, okay, like what? Like I think after I was extracted from the uh, my close friends canceling me, and then I think when my fiance was upset with me, na she just didn't want to talk to me for a while. Like she just really, uh, you know, I I felt na man that she didn't she wa- she'll talk to me eventually, but she needed time to process all of it, rene. Like all of this, mm-hmm. parang all of this was happening, and I didn't know. Like, and I'm supposed to be the person to know and to navigate all of this. Now yeah. she was taking it pretty hard. And when she took okay. it pretty hard, yeah, like that's when I spiraled. And like the thought of hurting myself, it was like the easiest thing to do. Like I was so surprised. Like wow. oh, if you think about hurting yourself, I'm like, oh, that's that's like I'll never do that. I don't care about everything I'm doing right now because tomorrow you won't see me anymore. It felt like the easiest thing to do in the world, leading to that mm-hmm. attempt at that night. I want to pause here to make space for a trigger warning. What you are about to hear is a detailed description of Carlos' suicide attempt. Please bear this in mind as you continue to listen. Yeah. So during the attempt, so this is what happened. So no one was here. It was just me and my dad. It was nighttime because I have like, you see this door behind me. It's a context for mm-hmm. the door. So there's mm-hmm. like a pull-up bar attached there. From the yeah, from the pull-up bar, like that's where I kind of attached the belt. But I, I really, I, I remember I was really just bawling. I was bawling my ass. But I just, I don't, I cannot handle this emotional distress anymore. Like I'm yeah. thinking of this problem, then suddenly this problem is gonna arise of being canceled. Then suddenly, like I never wanted to be a harasser, but I, I, I harass these people. Now mm-hmm. even if I try to defend myself, now oh, it was never my intention. Like I can, I can never take away how they felt about it. Yeah, like, it was scary. So I, all of this was like running into my mind. I never thought I'd be that person. I, I always wanted to protect them from that person. But that person ended up being me. 
I'm such a shit person. Like, parang I'm such a burden to my fiance. Also, how come I can't think about how she's feeling? Why am I just thinking about myself? You know what? I think it's just easier if I'm not here. Like, I, like, I just hated everything that I was going through. Nah, that was a boiling point. It was like really just the peak of all my trauma from years past. But I thought it was at the time it was just my emotions at that time. So mm-hmm. I got a belt. I tied it up into that pull-up bar, and I just really, with, without hesitation, you know, I just, I just hung, hung myself there. <laughs> it's just so, it's just so funny. Nah, it's like my my life flashed before my eyes. I really I wanted to struggle. Nah, okay, just stop. Like I just I just had to lift myself. And just step and just, and just step on the on, on the floor just, to, just yeah. to end up everything. Now this is so stupid of what, what I'm doing. But I'm I'm so surprised I was actually there. The belt was around my neck already. Oh my surprising, God. surprisingly enough, like I was like my feet were on were above the ground already. Then it's so funny, the belt snapped. It, it snapped and I fell face first or body first, my chest first to the ground. Then mm. when I hit the ground, I remember I was just crying so hard. Na parang this this is the only thing you had to do and you still did it wrong. <laughs> it's oh so, my god! So so stupid. Like and like that that's how much hate I had towards myself. Like it was wow. so bad. I was just lying down there and I remember like like I was just bawling my eyes out. I was just crying. I couldn't even do this right. I'm such a pathetic yeah. person. And I think I was crying throughout the entire night. This is probably 2 a.m., 3 a.m. I was crying since 7 p.m. trying to process all oh of these gosh. emotions. Thinking if I should do this, thinking if I should... Of that, course. To the point that I just fell asleep. I just fell asleep yeah. crying on the ground. And then, then when did I woke, your da- Is that when your dad found you? Yeah, like when I woke up, I think he heard me opening the closet because like when I woke up, shit, I have to go to work. <laughs> you know, I was at wow. dress up. I had to go, oh, okay. So I was opening my cabinets and I think my dad heard me opening my cabinet. So... When I looked up at my the pull up bar, the belt was gone. So I think someone came inside. Well, of course, my dad came inside earlier. Maybe he saw me lying down there, checking up on me. So when he's heard me open the cabinet, that's when my dad came inside. So get this, my dad, he comes from a generation where showing emotion isn't really masculine or he'd never show it. He never mm-hmm. showed that yeah. side of himself. So he came into my door. He was actually crying. I think that was the first time I actually saw him cry in my entire life. Yeah. He, he kneeled down. He was like at this begging position. Please, please, please don't, don't do this. Whatever you you were thinking of doing last night, don't do it. Don't do it, please. Mm-hmm. Like if you yeah. think you can do it, oh, para me, I can't do it. I won't. I can't take it. I won't be able to take it if you're gone, etc., etc. Mm. So at that point, I was just quiet. I was really processing how like everything that happened with me, how my dad was taking it, because that was the first time I actually showed saw him show any emotion at all it's like if there was something uh, emotional trouble in the family he'd always be the one to keep it together like he'd yeah. always show a firm face oh it's okay we'll handle this maybe he processes his emotion in some other way but for sure the kids me or my siblings we never see it we never see that side of himself and that yeah. was the first time i saw him really just showing raw emotions showing begging that please don't do this mm. so like at that point it was just me and him so I really tried, like, I always thought of killing myself every day, like each day after work or at that moment or just going to the bathroom or just doing it. But like, I always thought about him, like, okay, he was begging not to, for me not to do it. Okay. So uh, fast forward to a few days later when my family finally arrived, yeah. I was so mad now at this point because I was mad. Na it was me realizing 
I never really lived for myself. I always lived for how other people saw me, and that's why I'm in this situation. But at the at some way, I always blamed it on other people. I, I was not yeah. being accountable with how I felt about these situations. When my siblings were home, I thought it'd be better. But I was actually still pushing them away. I'd lock in, mm. I'd lock myself in my room. I'd isolate myself in my room. For okay, them. I'm only here because you want me to be here. But if I had the choice, wow. I just want to end my life because I don't want to be here anymore. Like this is so yeah. pathetic, it's so stupid. Nah, I think that's why that's where my anger was coming from. When they okay. come in the room, that please go out. Like I'd shout, no, 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 go out. I don't want you. I don't want you here. You don't understand what I'm going through. I'm just pushing them. Yeah. Away. Like I don't want to be here. It's just you. Like I hate you because you want me to be here. But if I had the choice, like for once in my life, let me decide for myself. And if oh I could gosh. decide for myself, it was like okay, it was that. So there was this one time that you know I couldn't be locked in my room forever. I had to get food outside to eat. So uh, when I went outside this one time, they were all seated at the dining table. They were just talking as a family. Then I was just getting food. Now they, they tried to talk to me. Like hey, do you want? Like I want you to get help. We know someone in the hospital. We can admit you, or we can help you. We can take your medication. Before everything this happened, I was a big advocate for mental health. Like, I'd be supportive with my friends. Yeah, you should get help. It's nothing to be ashamed of. Yeah, like, but when you it's should, you, it's so different. It's so different. Like when they were saying, "Oh, you should get help." No, like I don't. Like I was at a point that there was no changing my state. I was really fixated. Like it was absolute. It was really black and white in my head. Now, nope. There's no changing how. Who I am as a person, how yep. I am. I know that I can't change anymore. I know I'm always just gonna disappoint people as I go in mm. further in life. I can't live like I can never see a life where I'm okay. I can't see a life like that anymore. Yeah. So did like, they? How did they end up taking you in? Eventually. Okay. So well, during that time when I went when I went outside, they were saying that oh, I think you should get help, etc. Like we can admit you, we can help you, would we'll be with you throughout the entire time. I'm like I, I just like I think I just shouted at them it was a boiling point no you don't understand everything you don't understand what I'm going through like I don't want to be here anymore you just want me to be here that parang I hate like that I'm here I hate if I had the choice mm-hmm. I don't want to be here so please if you can just accept that I won't be here that would actually lighten off the burden for you for everyone because I oh. every ever since I've been in this world, I've always just been such a burden. I don't want to be a burden anymore. Let me free myself from this burden. I was shouting all of yeah. this. Then I stormed okay. out. I closed the door in my room. I, I, I was when I was about to lock it, like I you always do. My family just stormed in. Like they wow. stormed in. Yeah, they like they they just gave me like a tight hug. Even if I was really pushing them away, it was well. It was hard to push them away because it was the four of them who were giving me a tight hug. And they were trying to contain me because I was spiraling. I was spiraling. I was bawling my eyes out. I was shouting. Mm-hmm. I was shouting. I didn't want to be here. I was shouting. That yeah. I don't want. I don't want to be here anymore, etc., etc. So they were just hugging me. They were just containing me, like in a in a family position that in a super tight position that I couldn't move. All I could do was cry. I was shouting, I don't want to be here, I don't want to be here, etc., etc. And then to the point, it's not that they were strangling, but they were like containing me. Like, you know how when someone was going is going wild in a party, the bouncer, they don't really punch you to yeah, contain you. They, they just like you hold, you. Yeah, yeah, they just hold you. Yeah, yeah. Holding me the entire time, a good like 50, 20, 30 minutes until I calmed down. So mm. when I was calm already, I was calm, I was crying. And they were saying, okay, we'll get you help. We'll, they were just saying that we're here. They were also crying as well, that we're here. We're not going to give you up. Even if you hate yourself, we're not giving up. During that time when I was actually able to calm down a bit, they said, nah, let's take you to the hospital now. Nah, I know 
you have to trust us. Let's trust it to professionals that you'll get better. Like in my mind, I know I won't get better, but like if they're willing to try and hold me down for them, okay, I'll, I'll try this one more thing for them. That's when you get admitted to the ward. And that's it for part one of this episode. In part two of the series, we'll go deeper on Carlo's experience in the mental ward. Be sure to subscribe and hit the bell icon to get alerted as soon as the episode is released. I hope you took something away today from listening to this episode. And as always, don't forget to go out there and be kind. You never know what could be going on behind closed doors. You're listening to The Twist of Fate. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you next time.